Chapter Fifteen of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Follows Flockhart's fortunes. One evening, a few days later, Gabrielle, seated beside her father at his big writing table, had concluded reading some reports and had received those brief, laconic replies which the blind man was in the habit of giving when she suddenly asked i believe dad that you have a quantity of the glencardine papers haven't you if i remember right when you bought the castle you made possession of these papers a stipulation yes dear i did was his answer i thought it a shame that the papers of such a historic family should be dispersed at sotheby's as they no doubt would have been so i purchased them you've never let me see them she said as you know you've taught me so much antiquarian knowledge that i'm becoming an enthusiast like yourself you can see them dear of course was his reply they are in that big ebony cabinet at the end of the room yonder about two hundred charters letters and documents dating from thirteen fourteen down to sixteen ninety five i'll go through them tomorrow," she said i suppose they throw a good deal of light upon the history of the grahams and the actions of the great lord glencardine yes but i fear you'll find them very difficult to read he remarked not being able to see them for myself alas i had to send them to london to be deciphered and you still have the translations unfortunately no dear professor petra at oxford who is preparing his great work on glencardine begged me to let him see them and he still has them well she laughed i must therefore content myself with the originals eh do they throw any further light upon the secret agreement in sixteen forty four between the great marquis of glencardine whose home was here and king charles really gabrielle laughed the old antiquary for a girl your recollection of abstruse historical points is wonderful not at all there was a mystery i remember and mysteries always attract me well he replied after a few moments hesitation i fear you will not find the solution of that point or of any other really important point contained in any of the papers the most interesting records they contain are some relating to alexander sinscalus stuart the fourth son of robert the second who was granted in thirteen seventy nine a castle of garth he was a reprobate and known as the wolf of badenoch on his father's accession in thirteen seventy one he was granted the charters of Badenoch, with the castle of Lochendorb and of Strathaven, and at a slightly later date he was granted the lands of Tempar, Lassentulach, Tulachkrosk, and Garth. As you know, many traditions regarding him still survive, but one fact contained in yonder papers is always interesting, for it shows that he was confined in the dungeon of the old keep of Glencardine until Robert the Third released him there was also a quantity of interesting facts regarding red neil or neil stuart of fothergill who was laird of garth which will some day be of value to future historians of scotland is there anything concerning the mysterious fate of cardinal satoon within glencardine asked the girl unable to curb her curiosity no he replied in a manner which was almost snappish there is a mere tradition my dear simply a tale invented by the country folk it seems to have been imagined in order to associate it with the mysterious whispers which some superstitious people claim to have heard 
no old castle is complete nowadays without its ghost so we have for our share the lady of glencardine and the whispers he laughed but i thought it was a matter of authenticated history that the cardinal was actually enticed here and disappeared exclaimed the girl i should have thought that the glencardine papers would have referred to it she added recollecting what walter had told her well they don't so why worry your head dear over a mere fable i have already gone very carefully into all the facts that are proved and have come to the conclusion that the story of the torture of his eminence is a fairy tale and that the supernatural whispers have only been heard in imagination she was silent she recollected the sound of murmuring voices it was certainly not imagination but you'll let me have the key of the cabinet won't you dad she asked glancing across to where stood a beautiful old florentine cabinet of ebony inlaid with ivory and reaching almost to the ceiling certainly gabrielle dear was the reply of the expressionless man it is upstairs in my room you shall have it to-morrow and then he lapsed again into silence reflecting whether it were not best to secure certain parchment records from those drawers before his daughter investigated them there was a small roll of yellow parchment tied with modern tape which he was half inclined to conceal from her curious gaze truth to tell they constituted a record of the torture and death of cardinal Setoun, much in the same manner as walter murray had described to her if she read that strange chronicle she might he feared be impelled to watch and endeavour to hear the fatal whispers strange though it was yet those sounds were a subject which caused him daily apprehension though he never referred to them save to ridicule every suggestion of their existence or to attribute the weird noises to the wind and yet never a day passed that he sat calmly reflecting the only matter which his daughter knew above all others caused him the most serious thought and apprehension a fear which had become doubly increased since she had referred to the curious and apparently inexplicable phenomenon he a refined educated man of brilliant attainments scouted the idea of any supernatural agency to those who had made mention of the whispers among them his friend murray the lord of conican lord strathaven from whom he had purchased the estate and several of the neighbouring landowners he had always expressed a hope that one day he might be fortunate enough to hear the whispered counsel of the evil one and so decide for himself its true cause he pretended always to treat the affair with humorous incredulity yet at heart he was sorely troubled if his young wife's remarkable friendship with the man flockhart often caused him bitter thoughts then the mysterious whispers and the fatality so strangely connected with them were equally a source of constant inquietude a few days later flockhart with his clever cunning seemed to alter his ingenious tactics completely for suddenly he had commenced to bestir himself in sir henry's interests one morning after breakfast taking the baronet by the arm he led him for a stroll along the drive down to the lodge gates and back for the purpose as he explained of speaking with him in confidence at first the blind man was full of curiosity as to the reason of this unusual action as those deprived of sight usually are i know sir henry flockhart said presently and not without hesitation that certain ill-disposed people have endeavoured to place an entirely wrong construction upon your wife's friendship towards me for that reason i have decided to leave glencardine both for her sake and for yours 
but my dear fellow exclaimed the blind man why do you suggest such a thing because your wife's enemies have made their mouths full of scandalous lies he replied i tell you frankly sir henry that my friendship with her ladyship is a purely platonic one we were children together at home in bedford and ever since our school days i have remained her friend i know that remarked the old man quietly my wife told me that when you dined with us on several occasions at park street i have never objected to the friendship existing between you flockart for though i have never seen you i have always believed you to be a man of honour i feel very much gratified at those words sir henry he said in a deep earnest voice glancing at the grey dark spectacled face of the fragile man whose arm he was holding indeed i have always hoped that you would repose sufficient confidence in me to know that i am not such a blackguard as to take any advantage of your cruel affliction the blind baronet sighed oh my dear flockhart all men are not honourable like yourself there are many ready to take advantage of my lack of eyesight i have experienced it alas in business as well as in my private life the dark-faced man was silent he was playing an ingenious if dangerous game the baronet had referred to business his mysterious business the secret of which he was now trying his best to solve i suppose the standard of honesty in business is nowadays just about as low as it can possibly be eh well i've never been in business myself so i don't know in the one or two small financial deals in which i've had a share i've usually been frozen out in the end off oh, lockhart sighed the laird of glencardine you are unfortunately quite correct the so-called smart business man is the one who robs his neighbor without committing the sin of being found out this remark caused the other a twinge of conscience did he intend to convey any hidden meaning he was full of cunning and cleverness well flockhart exclaimed i am truly gratified to think that i retain your confidence sir henry if i have in the past been able to be of any little service to lady hayburn i assure you i am only too delighted yet i think that in the face of gossip which some of your neighbours here are trying to spread gossip started i very much fear by miss gabrielle my absence from glencardine will be of distinct advantage to all concerned i do not my dear sir henry desire for one single moment to embarrass you or to place her ladyship in any false position i but my dear fellow you've become quite an institution with us exclaimed sir henry in dismay we should all be lost without you why as you know you've done me so many kindnesses that i can never sufficiently repay you i don't forget how through your advice i've been able to effect quite a number of economies at Castor, and how often you assisted my wife in various ways in her social duties my dear sir henry he laughed you know i'm always ready to serve either of you whenever it lies in my power only well i feel that i'm in your wife's company far too much both here and in lincolnshire people are talking therefore i have decided to leave her and my decision is irrevocable let them talk if i do not object you surely need not but for your wife's sake i know i know how cruel are people's tongues flockhart remarked the old man yes and the gossip was unfortunately started by gabrielle it was surely very unwise of her ah said the other it is the old story every girl becomes jealous of her stepmother and she's only a child after all 
he added apologetically well much as i esteem her and much as i admire her i feel sir henry that she had no right to bring discord into your house i hope you will permit me to say this with all due deference to the fact that she's your daughter but i consider her conduct in this matter has been very unfriendly again the baronet was silent and his companion saw that he was reflecting deeply how do you know that the scandal was started by her he asked presently in a low rather strained voice young patterson told me so it appears that when she was staying with them over at tully allen she told his mother all sorts of absurd stories and mrs patterson as you know is a terrible gossip told the reeds of logy and redcastles and in a few days those fictions with all sorts of embroidery were spread half over scotland why my friend lindsay the member for berwick heard some whispers the other day in the carlton club so in consequence of that sir henry i'm resolved much against my will and inclination i assure you to end my friendship with your wife all this pains me more than i can tell you declared the old man the more so too that gabrielle should have allowed her jealousy to lead her to make such false charges yes in order not to pain you i have hesitated to tell you this for several weeks but i really thought that you ought at least to know the truth and who originated the scandal and so i have ventured to-day to speak openly and to announce my departure said the wily flockart he was putting to the test the strength of his position in that household he had an ulterior motive one that was ingenious and subtle but you are not really going exclaimed the other you told me the other day something about my factor macdonald and your suspicions of certain irregularities my dear sir henry it will be far better for us both if i leave to remain will only be to lend further colour to these scandalous rumours i have decided to leave your house you believe that macdonald is dishonest eh inquired the afflicted man quickly yes i am certain of it remember sir henry that when one is dealing with a man who is blind it is sometimes a great temptation to be dishonest i know i know sighed the other deeply they were at a bend in the drive where the big trees met overhead forming a leafy tunnel the ascent was a trifle steep and the baronet had paused for a few seconds leaning heavily upon the arm of his friend oh pardon me exclaimed flockhart suddenly releasing his arm your watch chain is hanging down let me put it right for you and for a few seconds he fumbled at the chain at the same time holding something in the palm of his left hand there that's right he said a few minutes later you caught it somewhere i expect on one of the knobs of my writing-table perhaps said the other thanks i sometimes inadvertently pull it out of my pocket a faint smile of triumph passed across the dark handsome face of the man who again took his arm as at the same time he replaced something in his own jacket pocket he had in that instant secured what he wanted you were saying with much truth my dear flockhart that in dealing with a man who cannot see there is occasionally a temptation towards dishonesty well this very day i intend to have a long chat with my wife but before i do so will you promise me one thing and what is that asked the man not without some apprehension that you will remain here disregard the gossip that you may have heard and continue to assist me in my helplessness in making full and searching inquiry into macdonald's alleged defalcations the man reflected for a few seconds with knit brows his quick wits were instantly at work for he saw with the utmost satisfaction 
that he had been entirely successful in disarming all suspicion therefore his next move must be the defeat of that man's devoted defender gabrielle the one person who stood between his own penniless self and fortune i really cannot at this moment make any promise sir henry he remarked at last i have decided to go but defer your decision for the present there is surely no immediate hurry for your departure first let me consult my wife urged the baronet putting out his hand and groping for that of flockhart which he pressed warmly as proof of his continued esteem let me talk to winifred she shall decide whether you go or whether you shall stay End of chapter fifteen